Welcome to Huntersville Lutheran Sermon Webcast. We invite you to join us here for worship every Sunday at 10 a.m. Find out more at huntersvillelc.com. Thank you for joining us today. Let's begin with the prayer. Dear Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts this morning be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. This painting behind me, I don't know if there's a place where I can stand where everybody can see. Can you all see it now? This painting uh, behind me, there's a glare on it for me, but this painting behind me is Edvard Munch's The Scream, which is painted in 1893. It's one of the most iconic pieces of artwork in the modern age. In fact, it's often called by art critics to be, to be the Mona Lisa of our time. It's been the inspiration for, for popular movie series like Wes Craven's The Scream, or how many of you have seen the movie Home Alone? Macaulay Culkin, his face elongated like this, that's the inspiration for this, as well as the, uh, the face clasped in fear emoji that you can send on your phones. This painting serves as the inspiration for this, and with this painting, Ed- Edward Munch is, is interpreting how modern man sees the age in which he lives, an age filled with anxiety and worry, with uncertainty and confusion. And if Munch's interpretation of 1893 looked anything like this painting, and it deserved to scream, how much more does our context and our culture and our world deserve something like this? Deserve an interpretation like the scream? All you have to do is look at the news and and you see the world of the scream in which we live. Eight days ago, 31 people lost their lives in two mass shootings, one in Dayton, Ohio, and one in El Paso, Texas. 31 families were thrust into the world of the scream as as they were filled with with confusion and, and uncertainty about why, why their loved ones were so suddenly taken from them. Two days ago, as the funerals began, these 31 families were, trying to, were filled with worry and, and anxiety about how in all of the world they're going to, to figure out how to move on from this tragedy, a tragedy that is born in, in the world of the screen. And it's not just these 31 families who, who have to deal with the world of the screen. A tragedy like this thrusts an entire nation into it. An entire nation is sent reeling into the, into the world of the scream as they try to figure out whether or not a, a, an attack like this, a tragedy like this, is ever going to happen again. A, a, an entire nation is wrought with, with fear in the world of the scream about how, they are, how we are going to maybe prevent something like this happening. You and I look out at the world in which we live and all we can, we can see and all we can admit is a world that looks a whole lot like this painting. And we feel just like that man there. But there's a tendency when, when you and I look at the world of the scream, the, the, the events that happen in the world around us, and we're not always directly affected by them. Sure, we might feel sad. Sure, we might, might feel empathy for the families who lost things. But those tragedies don't necessarily strike immediately close to home. And by and large, we tend to distance ourselves from them. And yet there's still things in our life that cause us to worry that make us anxious, that make us uncertain, that make us confused. And, and even though these tragedies in the world of the scream around us don't affect us directly, we end up living in our own individual world of the scream. You live in the world of the scream when, you, when you're anxious about your health and what your health is going to, what is going to happen to your health. If it's good now, you worry that maybe your health will take a turn or one of your family members' health will take a turn and, and if it would ever return back to the way it was. And if your health has already taken a turn for the worst, will it ever get better. You live in the world of the scream when you're concerned about your marriage or a relationship with, that you have with somebody, that you want your marriage to work. 
you put in the effort and the energy and the time into it, knowing that this is what it takes, and, and yet it doesn't seem to be reciprocated by your spouse. And you're concerned that it may not even make it to your next anniversary. You live in an individual world of the scream when, when you're concerned about, about the career path that you've chosen. This, this job that you've pined after for years and years, and all of a sudden, after you've worked it for a while, it, it doesn't happen to be the thing that you always thought it would be. And you have the opportunity for change. You have the opportunity to move, and, and you're not quite sure if this is the right thing to do, and you're confused because this could affect your family. It could affect your livelihood, even the place where you live. You and I, not, you and I live in a world that looks a whole lot like this individually. But for Christians, for Christians, there's, a, there's another thing that, that causes us to be anxious and worry. It causes us to be confused and uncertain. It's spiritual things. You and I live, so to speak, also in a spiritual world of the scream. And this, you live in this world when, when the devil's little white lies that you once would have never believed all of a sudden start to become a little more plausible in your life when when your once solid foundation of faith is shaken. You live in a spiritual world of the scream when that sin that you're constantly caught up in, that you can't quite seem to get yourself out of, and it has a grasp on your heart where you wonder if that sin can be forgiven by God like he promises. You live in a spiritual world of the scream when you wonder and doubt and, and are uncertain about any of God's promises, what he says about eternal life, that it's not something that you can earn, it's not something that you deserve, but it's given to you as a gift. And yet in the back of your mind, the devil is whispering that you have to do something. You have to do something to earn it and get there. And, and truthfully, you want to do it because you want God to pat you on the back. You live in the world of the scream when any of the promises that God's make you become clouded and muddy by what Satan says to you. You and I live in a world, individually and spiritually, a world that resembles and looks like this painting, the world of the scream. There's a guy in the Old Testament who lived in a world that looked a lot like that painting, a man named Abraham. Abraham was, uh, was descended from a family born after the flood, and his family at a certain point had become polytheistic, meaning that they didn't just worship the one true God, but they had kind of adopted some of the the gods from the pagan cultures that were around them. They, Abraham was living in a spiritual world of the scream. And at a certain point, God called out to Abraham, called out to him from this world of the scream and said, Abraham, I want you to get up. I want you to get up and go and leave your homeland, leave your family behind, leave everything that's familiar and go to the land that I will show you. We'll talk about a, a cause for worry. You're told by God to leave everything that you know. You're told by God to leave the home that you've built, to leave the family that you love, and go to a place that you don't even know where it is. You and I get nervous and worried when our cell phone battery reaches 10% and we're using Google Maps and we know where we're going. Imagine the cause and worry that this was for Abraham. He was stuck in a world that resembled that painting that looked like the world of the scream. But there was more to Abraham's worry than just that. Because that same day that God told Abraham that he was to get up and leave his homeland, he also made him a promise. And that promise was that I will make you into a great nation and all nations will be blessed through you. And this promise struck a chord with Abraham because there was one thing that Abraham wanted more than anything else in this world. It was an heir. It was a son. But years after Abraham picked up his tent stakes and pulled himself up by his sandal straps and, and left to go to the land that God would show him, that promise from God still had not come true. Abraham wasn't getting any younger, and Sarah at this point was well beyond the, the age of childbearing. And so Abraham was thrust 
with worry and anxiousness and concern right back into a world that resembled this painting, the world of the scream. And this worry caused him to come up with maybe his own plan for how this was going to work. You know, he said, God hasn't fulfilled this promise yet, and maybe he never will, so I'm going to adopt a servant as my heir, and he's going to be the one who's going to carry on my line. Abraham, much like you and I do, live in a world of the scream, both individually, physically in this life, and spiritually. And I think unintendedly, you and I sometimes like to live in the world of the scream. We like to live a life that's filled with, with worry and anxiety and doubt because we think that by worrying and being worried about a problem, being anxious about a problem, that somehow that will, that will solve that problem or get us closer to the answer to that problem. Sometimes we even think that worrying about a problem is the actual answer. But there's something that's happening when you're worrying. It's that you're looking inward. And when you look inward, you're forgetting about who your God is and the promises that your God made you. So when you're stuck in a world that looks like this, that looks like the world of the scream, when, when the anxieties of this world, when the worries of your life, when the, the uncertainty and the concerns of, of the spiritual, of spiritual nature about God and his promises are bearing down all around you, how do you deal with it? How in all the world do you get over the worry? How do you cure the anxiousness? Well, God says in his word that there's one solution, that there's one answer, that there's one antidote for worry. And he clues us into it in Hebrews chapter 11, using Abraham as an example. Listen to what he says. It's the middle of Hebrews chapter 11. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as an inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, Abraham, even though he was past age and Sarah herself was barren, was unable to become a father because he considered him faithful who made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sands on the seashore. When Abraham was filled with the anxiousness and the worry that comes from living in a world, the world of the scream, he knew that the one solution wasn't to rely on himself. It wasn't to rely on anybody else in his family. It was to place his trust in the unchanging God. His answer to worry and concern was faith. And so by faith, Abraham, when God told him to go somewhere, he didn't dilly-dally, he didn't question God. He got up and went. When God made him that promise that he was going to have an heir, that he was going to have a son to carry on his line, and that promise didn't come true for years and years, Abraham didn't, Abraham didn't turn to his own solution. Instead, he trusted in what God told him. By faith, Abraham believed that God was going to make good on his promise and he was given a descendant. And this faith that God gave to Abraham is the same faith that God has given to you and me as a gift. This is the solution to all of the anxiety and the worry and the cares and the concerns and the uncertainties and the confusions that you have in this life. It's the God-given faith that he plants in your heart through word and through his sacraments, through baptism and the Lord's Supper. And this faith is the reason that it works to cure all of these worries and these doubts is because it's not something that you choose. It's not something that, it's not a decision that you make. It's a, a gift that God gives you. And the, your faith, it always has an object and your, the, your faith is only as strong in the object in which you place it. So the object of your faith, it's not it's not uh, who you are by nature. It's not uh, who you, the kind of status you have in this culture. It's not the money you have or the possessions you own or, or, or other idols. The object of your faith is the God who does not change, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. 
the God who does not lie, the God who promises you things over and over and over again. This is the answer, the solution to all of the worry and the anxiety in the world of the scream. It's faith in God and the promises that he gives you. This is what Abraham relied on. This is what you and I rely on because God makes you all of these promises throughout scripture over and over and over again. He promises that every, he will give you everything you need to sustain body and life here in this earth. He promises that he's going to give you everything you need spiritually to grow your faith. He promises that every time you hear his word, when you sit in a service like this or spend time devotionally, that your faith is going to grow and your faith is going to not only grow, but be centered on the right thing. God says when you're living in the world of the scream and you are so anxious about everything going on around you or, or things threaten you with bodily harm, he says he will send his angels to protect you and watch over you so that his ultimate good can be fulfilled, which is that you be in heaven with him someday forever. But there's a promise that far exceeds any of the other promises that God makes in scripture. It's a promise that the devil will always try to get you to doubt. It's a promise that, that the devil will always try to water down in some way, shape, or form as he's done throughout the ages. It's the promise of his arrow pointing down love for you. The promise of his grace. It's the promise that his son suffered the wrath of hell for all of your sins so that you wouldn't have to. It's the promise that, that when God looks at you, he doesn't see the past and all of the mistakes you've made that were spurred on by your anxiousness or spurred on by by listening to other people in the world of the scream, when God looks at you, instead he sees the crown of righteousness planted firmly on your head. When God looks at you, he sees that you are his own dear child. He sees that you are his and nothing can take you away from him. And because you are God's child, it means that you have an inheritance that's waiting for you. This is the rock solid foundation of your faith, the very bedrock of your faith that grounds you when you live in a world that looks like this. But here's the thing about faith. There's this misconception that has spread about faith like wildfire throughout the church in America that the minute that God gives you faith in this life, it means that your life will get better. The minute God gives you faith that your life will get easier, that the problems in your marriage will be gone, that your, none of your relationships will struggle, your career will get better, that all of a sudden that you will be removed from this world, the world of the scream. But look throughout all of scripture. And you will never, ever find a promise like that. You will never find a promise that says things will get easier. In fact, Jesus makes it really clear that the minute you're given faith, things will get harder. In fact, he promises that. He says, in this world, you will have trouble. When God gives you faith, when you follow Jesus fervently throughout the world of the scream, you will have trouble. Your marriage won't instantly get better. Your career won't instantly launch into a new phase. You will continue to live in a world that looks a whole lot like the scream, both physically and spiritually. Life will not all of a sudden turn into rose petals and unicorns because you have been given faith. But you know what? That's okay. That's okay that you still live and exist in a world that looks like this. Because your faith does something extremely important for you. Not only does your faith ground you, but it sees all of the problems that the world of the screen brings, the anxiety and the, the confusion, the uncertainty, the worry, and it puts them into a whole new light. With your faith, God centers you and shows you that this world of the scream, this earth that we live on, it's not our true home. 
Because your faith promises you that there is a better home that is waiting for you. One where all of the worriness, the, the worry and the anxiety and the cares and the concerns of this world will be a long forgotten thought. A place where sin can no longer touch you, where death can no longer destroy. It's heaven. This is where your faith points you. This is the inheritance that's waiting for you. Because the writer to the Hebrews says, because your God is not ashamed to be called your God. For he has prepared a city for you. And that city is the inheritance that is the right of children of God that is passed down from generation to generation to everyone who believes in Jesus. It's a kingdom that will know no end. It's a kingdom that is pure bliss and perfection that human understanding cannot even begin to comprehend and words can't even begin to describe. And yet that is the world that is waiting for you. And when you live in a world that looks like this, the world of the scream, when you are burdened with all of the worries and the cares and the anxieties of this life, remember to keep your eyes of faith focused. Remember that you live as strangers and aliens in this world. And it doesn't matter how tough life gets. It doesn't matter how anxious you get or, or the, the worries and the concerns that are there because they will not last forever. So as you continue to wade through a world that looks like this, remember your God-given faith. Remember who your faith is centered on, on your God. And remember what this faith clings to, his promises of love and mercy and forgiveness. Keep your eyes of faith focused and your feet marching toward heaven because it's one day there that you will meet the God, the God of your faith, the God who is not ashamed to be called your God. Amen.